0: Welcome to the Angie Creates podcast. I'm your host Angie Wang. In this podcast, I interview curious humans on how they become the most alive versions of themselves through creative expressions like movement, art, and writing. 欢迎来到 Angie Hi, Lucy. Hi, Angie. Today, we prepare absolutely nothing to go on this recording because I don't know about you, but this is my first time like showing up in terms of any formal creative work after... Okay, the topic today, having a kid. What about you?
1: Um, Yeah, so I actually just started getting sort of getting back into work like two days ago. Oh, wow, I'm just gonna ask you about this later. Yeah, we can talk about that later. But like, totally just going with the flow today, because if there was like one thing I learned about motherhood, and it was a hard ass lesson is that... Sometimes you just got to lean in to the unpredictability and the chaos.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. I interviewed Lucy before. At that time, we were both just finishing or in in the middle of Paul's coaching program. I think I just moved to the States and we we're talking about being a creator or wanting to, to do something else. Um, in our private life, we both know that we both really wanted to become mother. It's very interesting. So I'm going to talk about the very start of this. Lucy and I and Valerie, another friend of us, has this like monthly or biweekly chat. And in June 2022, I found out I was pregnant. No, actually July. And so during our bi-weekly chat, I was trying to like, oh, like I wanted to tell them. But also I am waiting for the three months like genetic test. And so I remember the week of my 12-week pregnancy almost 12 week pregnancy I like wanted to tell them so bad and I'm just like trying to wait but I feel like I almost couldn't hold it anymore until Lucy is time for Lucy to share what is going on her in her life and the first thing Lucy said is I'm 12 week pregnant and I was so shocked looking at Lucy and I screamed I said Lucy I'm 12 week pregnant too and Lucy had did you, I, th- I, think, I think Lucy had no clue what's going on she was, yeah.
1: Sorry, I didn't uh, it didn't register at first what you just said. You said me too or something like that. And I was like, Yeah. And then I was like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, are you pregnant too? Twelve weeks? Uh-huh. Yeah. It, it's crazy because
0: I think we in the previous in the previous episode we chatted about like I feel like some, sometimes I feel like Lucy was the lost twin sister in the universe that I just found just found last year. 'Cause we have such a similar path, like turning from Cooper World to like fitness fitness industry as an online creator and we have the same aspiration of becoming a life coach and stuff like that. And then we found out we are we found out we are pregnant and around the same time. And also we found out we are pregnant on the same day too. Which is which is very, very interesting. And I almost predicted that we are going to go into the delivery room the same day and our baby will look exactly the same. Which didn't happen <laughs> because if it, if it happened it would be very creepy <laughs> but it's it's been such a it's been it's been such a cool journey to have a friend like you who are just going through the same thing at the same time so today we're going to talk about what's our expectation versus reality in terms of pregnancy delivery postpartum and motherhood in general and our reflection on work sounds good so um first of all I I wanted to know like what what was your what was your expectation of pregnancy
1: yeah um to be honest I I I didn't really have too many expectations of pregnancy um I I knew that like there I knew like the the physical stuff that people say can happen right like I knew that there could be morning sickness in the first trimester, second trimester, it's usually not too bad, and then you start getting a bump, and then third trimester, you deal with, like, physical symptoms, like bloating and acid reflux and just being large, right? So, like, I just knew, like, the physical stuff. Um, I wasn't – I didn't have any expectations, really, um, to the um, emotional part. I think I had wanted to um, bond with my baby a little bit while I was pregnant, but um, – but I had no idea what that would look like, right? So I was like, I would like to bond, um, but I don't know. And I think like pregnancy was the first time I just kind of leaned in and just trusted that my body knows what it was going to do and um, and that I'd be able to cope. Um, so that was kind of my expectation is just that I kind of didn't have really... The one thing I really wanted to do was just like, make sure I gain weight at a healthy, healthy rate, and that I was like treating my body well and eating healthy and still trying to get some kind of exercise in. Neither of those two things really happened. Uh (laughs) Um, Yeah, uh, like morning sickness, like hit me over the head, like I don't it was worse than I it. How do I best explain this? It wasn't that bad? Because it wasn't like it was it wasn't I wasn't like throwing up every single day. And I know that happens to some women. And but it's just like this low grade car sickness. And I didn't realize like how, um, how much different it feels like I can take like really intense pain for a short time. But like this, like, long term, just low grade sickness was something that I wasn't ready for. And, you um, and it, it, it was it was a it was a very interesting kind of uh, kind of experience, and I almost like dissociated from my body a couple of times, and it was really interesting because it made me um uh like stop focusing uh, too much on like other like external things um for a while, and I kind of went into this nesting mode, um, and. Let's see, I also didn't like work out as much as I thought I would. Um, and I did try to eat healthy, but then, you know, the cravings came and I was like, okay. I think like the best thing was that I um or the thing I really that, that grounded me was just like really just like I-, I wanted to connect with the baby inside of me, but I think I connected more with just my body as a, a as a whole. Mm-hmm. And I was just fascinated with all the things that it just it could do. I think I was like trying to for a while I was trying to like control how um how my the physical part of my pregnancy went um but really when i let go a little bit more like it felt a lot easier and um that's a lesson i learned again after having the baby Mm -hmm. but that's kind of just the general um general way of how that went um what what about you i
0: think it's very interesting um when when we were both pregnant but we didn't know each other we didn't know the other person is pregnant we were sharing in our female accountability group and i think i remember i was sharing that these days i try to learn how to manage my energy and work because my energy is really low and i hear you say the same thing and i was thinking to myself hmm it's interesting that we're both dealing with energy low energy <laughs> and after you said yeah. you're pregnant i was like That's, this makes so much more sense it's yeah it's fun I I think you know more about pregnancy than I do actually because in Taiwan it's we have a very low birth rate. Um, I I knew probably less than five friends who were pregnant even though I was like thirty something and I was the second person among all my clan of family that that got pregnant. So it's like the second oh. kid in a whole maybe like thirty something people family, mm-hmm. and so I really know very little about pregnancy and I know morning sickness. That's it. So when right. I went into pregnancy, I was really shocked by what it's really like. Um, a lot of weird stuff that I... I just was never told before, like um, smelling the metallic taste in in my mouth. Oh, yeah. And oh my God, it's, it feels like so, such a long time ago. I can barely remember I, I know, right?
1: <laughs> when I was talking, I was like trying to remember all the things. And it, it does feel like a really long time uh-huh. ago.
0: Even though it's just three months, our babies are... My, my just turned three months actually today. And I think yours is one, one week less than three months,
1: right? Yeah, it's like two, two two and a half. She's eight, 11, uh, 10 or 11 weeks right now. So yeah, close.
0: I, yeah, um, I thought going to my. Mo- okay, I'm just like jumping around right now. But I feel like going to motherhood will be like a smooth transition. Like gradually we'll realize we are mother. Um, but I feel like there is such a sharp distinction. Like I can be- I, I feel like it's a previous life before I have my kid.
1: Yeah, you know, there's this book I was, uh, uh, I haven't finished reading yet, I kind of just skimmed it a little bit. It's called To Have and To Hold, Motherhood, Marriage and the Modern Dilemma. And what they were talking about is like, uh, motherhood is almost like a, it's like a transformation process in a way where it's like your old identity kind of dies or, you know, breaks off. And then you kind of have a new identity for for a lot of women, maybe not all of them, but um, and yeah, yeah, that 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 whole pro it's almost like you're changing, like you're rebirthing into a new identity. And I that that kind of did resonate with me. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah. And I, and what you said earlier about the um how pregnancy, um like, there were a lot of things that you didn't know, like you would get metallic taste in your mouth. Or, yeah. um Or having really, really vivid dreams. Mm-hmm. I, I think you told me about that. And I had the two. And um just there's a lot of weird things that I had no idea, uh, what's going to happen and it did. And I remember just Googling it all. I'm like, does this have to do with like, is this a symptom of pregnancy? Is that a symptom of pregnancy? And Dr. Google will say everything is a symptom of pregnancy. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, okay, I guess you, you know, you, anything can happen. Like my heart rate, I think got faster and my blood pressure got slower and then fast or got lower and then higher and i don't know it was kind of just all over the place and apparently all of those is normal mm-hmm. and so what i was like so basically everything abnormal is normal in pregnancy is, is, uh-huh. is what i ended up figuring out um, yeah
0: everyone yeah um we have a lot of shares we have a lot of similarity in our pregnancy but also a lot of differences and so I think this is one thing that it's hard to keep people advice on or share experiences to. Like when I try to ask people, like, what what is your delivery experiences? what is it like being a mother? Um, when they are sharing their delivery experiences, I can imagine it, but I can imagine I cannot emotionally. I could not emotionally resonate with it until I really delivered my baby. I didn't know what it's like to like feel your baby is in the NICU. I didn't know what it's like when you, you, you want to push, but like you don't know how to and stuff like that. And so I felt this is the one thing that is so mysterious, but that like we know it will happen to us eventually, but just so mysterious at the same
1: time. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And when it's a first-time, like for first-time moms, if this is like your first pregnancy, it's really common i think to wonder like oh like especially when you're near the delivery date it's you you may feel contractions or you may feel you know something weird going on within you and then everything you're thinking oh is it time now and it's not and then you feel something else and you're like oh maybe that's time and it's not i think you and i both had false starts uh-huh. um with our with our labor is that correct yeah. i think you you had some of that
0: i i definitely have a lot of Braxton and yeah, that, that, that delivery, that delivery day for me is a, t- a total shit show, which we can talk about <laughs> later. <laughs> but I just, um, I wanted to, I wanted to take it back to the first time we shared about we, we were pregnant and our immediate re- reflection about our relationship with work. And I remember at that time, the minute I found, I, I was on my first freelance project, which I really like. Um, and I feel so, quote-unquote ambitious about but when I found out I was pregnant really nothing matters anymore only only me and my baby and I remember you described the same thing similar things
1: yes yes thank you for bringing that up I almost forgot about that um yeah it was very interesting that as early as the first trimester when I was going through that morning sickness and that was when I kind of just stopped caring, like I already started to kind of stop caring about work. And and when I say stop caring, I don't mean like, I stopped caring about my work. Um, like I didn't care anymore. But it was more like, that was no longer like the top priority in my life, like clearly no longer, right. And um, actually, a better way to phrase it is that before I became pregnant, my work was felt very high stakes to me, like, if I mess up, or I disappointed a client or something like that. To me, that felt like a big failure or something. Like, like I was afraid to disappoint people. After I was pregnant, it was like, all I care about is bringing this baby to term and trying to keep my body as healthy as possible while bringing, you know, therefore keeping the baby as healthy as possible. And I didn't, like, if I disappointed a customer or something like that, like, that, to me, no longer felt like it had any stakes, really. It's like, I was okay with being a little bit more blunt, you know, sometimes in my coaching or my email. Um, I was okay not meeting deadlines all the time. I was okay with not over promising. Oh, I, I totally stopped over promising. I was just like, nope, can't do this. Um, what was really fascinating was that I think I actually became be- uh, more productive because I stopped over promising. I stopped trying to like um be p- uh, like trying to people please and um all of that. And I just I-, I think I just became more honest with how much work I can handle. And, um, even my business partner told me that I was a much like better teammate to work with and which kind of shocked me a little bit because I felt like I like dropped the ball in a way, um, intentionally I dropped the ball a little bit, um, but I was uh, very honest with what I can handle and, um, and work became a little bit easier and, my qual my work quality became a little bit better. And that was actually a huge shocker to me. Um that that, that happened. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. It's it's very interesting because I, I think it's like when you have a life in you, your priorities like it, it's like it life hits you over the head with like, hey, here's what your real priorities mm-hmm. are. And then you can be a little bit more honest with yourself. Um, you know, with that. Yeah,
0: priority becomes really clear to me. But it took me a long time um to really to really like say no and set a boundary i think i only successfully did it after i deliver my baby at the beginning it's like okay i can separate my work identity and who i am like i know i now why am i stuttering on this maybe i'm still not resolving this (laughs) i thought at that time that i knew my work identity is work and i am who i am and like now i knew i have the power and i physically like viscerally experience the power of creating a life um my the the part of me where i'm just creating tasks creating notion table is just not that important anymore even if i build something super shitty i will still feel like i'm a powerful creator because i'm creating a life but at that time i think um you were on the entrepreneur path much longer than i do and you have a very successful business and i think at when I was pregnant, I'm still trying to pursue the work identity. And I I still placed a lot weight on wanting to be successful in a default pathy term. And so I try I try to like, I'm going on tangent here, but I think my last project before I delivered Michelle, I, I still overpromised stuff. And I feel I feel good when I finish the project and improve myself that I can do something, but I feel bad after the project finished, and I feel like the last month when I was working on the project i have I have so little connection with my baby, and she was about to be born, and so that really gave me a huge lesson on what I should really draw boundary on after I have her,
1: yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there was, uh, I, there were still some times I overpromise and I felt, you know, really bad if I didn't deliver uh, as well. And I would say like sometimes I think it wasn't a conscious decision. I think that I made it was just that physically I couldn't do. I like just physically didn't have the mental capacity to focus anymore. Um, during the first three months, I will say after the morning sickness passed, I went a little bit back into my old habits. <laughs> um, uh, so it's kind of like, your, your tolerance, your pain tolerance at work, I think it changes. Um, You're you're, you're almost forced to you're like, you have sometimes you have to be forced to lower it. And that can be morning sickness, or that can be the baby actually coming into your life. Like, obviously, once the baby is here, I, you know, it's like, it's not even that I choose to have less time, I literally Mm -hmm. don't have time some, you know, for for some other things, I have to aggressively, you know, cut things and prioritize and that sounds like uh, is that sounds like is that what happened to you after Michelle arrived
0: um rather than before yeah like right now we I'm sitting at Paul's studio and you are wearing your work headphone it's just a very bizarre (laughs) image for me (laughs) because I'm so used to us like talking, like, just r- really chill, talking about pregnancy, or last time we chatted, we have our baby wiggling and, like, crying, like, we need to run to change diaper we're feeding and stuff. So, like, being so serious, sitting in front of a computer, and like, oh, man, like, I wish I can hold Michelle, which I can't right now, but I choose not to. Oh, my God, I miss my baby. But I know, I- <laughs> right? It's so weird. I baby my baby's yeah. right outside the door, but I miss her so much.
1: I know. Okay, and- I-, I know exactly what you feel. Uh-huh.
0: Another yeah. thing, I am, like, I it was unexpected for me during pregnancy was my hormonal shift. So when it, before before pregnancy, I have very bad PMS, and every time right before menstruation, I will be so depressed. No matter how ambitious or how much I've achieved, right after menstruation, like that th- after that three weeks of stretch is gone, and the last week is coming, I just feel so bad about myself. Such very low self esteem. And I doubt myself in everything I do. So I'm so afraid that during pregnancy, which is another huge hormonal shift for for, for women, I will feel even worse. But fortunately for me, what happened is the whole pregnancy, well, actually the, the first and second trimester, I feel so powerful. And I have I have some hormonal shift, but most of the time I feel super, super ambitious. And I feel like, I'm so confident about myself, I'm happy all the time. When I, when I feel emotional, it's mostly because I feel life is so beautiful, and I feel that there is so much hope and I want to cry, which, which is interesting because I've described to my friends the first trimester, I feel so masculine, like the ambitious feeling was equal to me as mass, being masculine. So I, I told my friend, like, I feel so masculine, I must be having a boy. And then I found out I was having a girl. And I was like, damn, this is what being a female really like. It's, you are, you're supposed to be powerful and ambitious. And then third trimester hit. I started crying a lot over stupid stuff. If I want to order McDonald's and it's not open, I cry. Or like when, when I see Paul didn't wash the dishes, I cry. Or I went out and then I see there's cloud in the sky, I cry. Just basically crying over everything I can.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I think that's yeah. The, I think that's common for a lot of women. I but you know I think everyone's pregnancy is so different. I it's I think well actually you you I think we would we, we would need to ask uh, my husband whether or not I got more or less emotional because I personally thought I did not get that emotional. But then like one time we were talking to friends and I was like, no, I don't think I get more emotional. And then I look at him and he's like, mm. <laughs> so I was like, okay, maybe I did, and I just don't know. <laughs> but um. I started crying a lot like I started waking up with it with tears. So I was having dreams where I would cry. Um, and I would wake up crying like that I very rarely happened before I got pregnant. And in the third trimester, I would like every week I would like wake up a few times crying. And sometimes I remember my dreams and they were um, kind of sad. But sometimes I don't remember them. And I would just be crying. And I would wake up with the tissue in my hand. And I'm like, what's going on here? Wait, um, so you grab the really tissue in your
0: dream? And then you woke up with a tissue in your hand?
1: (laughs) Yeah, probably like half asleep or something. I probably grab a tissue to wipe because I I have a tissue box right next to my bed stand. Um, Because I had really bad uh, congestion when I was pregnant during that last trimester as well. So I kept a tissue next to me, but sometimes I was using it to wipe my tears. And I'm like, I have no idea. Like, I I guess I was having like really emotional um, dreams, but they weren't showing up as much during the waking hours. And I don't know, I always wonder like, was I, like, suppressing my emotions or something, right? It's like they only come out at night. Um, I I don't know. I don't know. Um, But that was something that was really interesting um, uh, for for me to know. And, yeah, I don't know. It's just – and. I read so many other people's stories. Like I was on Reddit and what to expect forums, you know, just to see other people's stories. And it feels like everyone has such different stories mm-hmm. and it's all it's all really interesting.
0: And if you just tweak like one one variable, the whole pregnancy becomes so different. Like tweak the gender, tweak a certain symptom you have or tweak like delivery time, delivery process, who deliver you, who you hire. It's like the whole the whole pregnancy and delivery can be so different. Which led us to which leads us to the delivery experiences. What's your expectation and what's reality?
1: Oh my goodness! I think so. good. so before I got pregnant, my expectation for delivery was that I would just go in and just get an epidural and then just be done with it because that's what my my sister did, you know. And I was like, yeah, that's fine because I didn't. Um, I I already knew. I I don't know. I always thought I had low pain tolerance, and I also was not anti medication. Um, so I was like, yeah, I'm just going to go and get the med- epidural. But it's interesting as the closer I got to delivery, the more and more I wanted to give a natural birth. And I don't know why suddenly that shifted, right? And um, so I was like, I kept the, uh, the epidural idea as a back pocket. I'm like, you know what, 80, per- I think 80% chance I'm still going to use it, but I want to see how far I can get. Um, before I do it, I just want to like feel as much of the delivery as I can and experience as much of it of it as I can. And um, one of the things I expected was that I would deliver either early or on my delivery date. And I think it's because my sister delivered like two weeks early during her first pregnancy, and um, so I thought, oh, I probably will deliver early too. Um, <laughs> but that didn't happen. In fact, the baby just like would not leave. Um, <laughs> and, and I was like, uh, in that last week, I was getting like these like fake contractions like on and off. And I was just like getting mentally, it was just such a psychological, just like, just like breaking me uh, in in a way. It was just like trolling. Like, I felt like, I felt like my body was trolling me. Right. I was like, oh, contractions. Maybe now, now she's coming. Nope. Nope. And then I'm like, oh, I think those are Cramps. Or are those contractions? I'm not sure. That went like on and off for a freaking entire week, and then finally, my uh, my midwife just offered. um, She offered an an, an induction. Um, At this point, I was 41 weeks, so she was like perfectly okay to get an induction if you want. Um, And I think like after a few days, I did get an induction. Um, And that process, I didn't do enough. I, I didn't do any research. I think really leading up to that, so I was like, oh, I guess they'll just give me some hormones and then start the process, but. It's not really that simple. I think like they did like two membrane sweeps on me first. I want um, and then they were like, OK, we'll just do a formal induction. And then like I was going to get some hormones, but uh, then they told me that my cervix wasn't dilated enough. So like, you know, to give birth, your cervix needs to like uh, open. Right. And um, so they actually inserted a Foley balloon into the cervix, which is a literally like a balloon that just expands to try to dilate your cervix. So I was I had that inside of me for 24 hours And it was really uncomfortable. And, um, and finally, when I did, you know, make it in, uh, the next day, I, I did, um, go in and then they gave me the, the hormones to help start contractions. And contractions did start, but I was, but it wasn't progressing still. Right. And so I was just like, what in the world? This baby does not want to come out. And, um, finally, they manually broke my water and then like, then the contractions went from like a two to like a 10, <laughs> like really, really quickly. Um And then I got the taste of, you know, I, I was like, I really want a taste of what, um, you know, what, what it's really like. And I use like all the pain management tools in my toolbox. And wow, like, yeah, it's like, I think I b- blocked the pain from my memory now. It's like, I can't even, I can't describe what it's like, but I mm. can tell you that, yeah, um, yeah, all the other uh, women, you know, all the other mothers are right in saying that it is the worst pain that I've ever felt in my entire life. And I was like, by the time I find I I think like, I was like, it was like really bad contractions for about five hours. And then they checked my cervix. And they were like, Oh, you dilated one more centimeter. Um, You know, in those five hours of pain, I dilated one more centimeter. And I think that Broke my spirit, and I was just like, "Okay, no, <laughs> we're getting the epidural now." Like, I'm not, I'm not like only five, only like one centimeter. Like, are you kidding me? Like, um, and then once I got the epidural, I was able to relax, and then like I dilated all the way within like you know the next like three or four hours. Um, and but. I got what I asked for. I was like, I want to have a full range of experience. Like, I want to experience, you know, all of the delivery, right? So I got a very full range of experiences um, from induction to the, uh, first of all, the fake contractions and then the induction process and then like the really full uh, stuff and then the, you know, and then the epidural and pushing was, oh my God, that was, that was also very interesting because my epidural started wearing off when I had to push, which actually was a good thing because... Um, before it wore off, I had no idea how to push. And I was pushing for two hours with like almost no progress. And once the epidural started wearing off, then I could feel where to push. And then that last hour was a lot easier. Um, side note, it feels a lot like pooping, which I did not expect at all. And, um, yeah. So <laughs> that oh God, was kind that, of the whole thing. Yeah. That I can no c- continue, but I can add on the pooping part later. <laughs> No, that um, I think that's it. That's it. I didn't I didn't actually poop, but, but a lot of people do poop. I did not poop, but I thought I'm I the pooped, one that pooped. I was sure. <laughs> you did poop. Okay. <laughs> that's funny yeah. so.
0: I remember when we were doing our pregnancy chat every month, we were we were just like, I don't know. I feel like I might get a epidural, but we'll see. We were both like debating. And for me, it's the opposite. Before I got pregnant, I always have this like bubbly imagination that I want to have a home birth, water birth, and then people like Using singing bowl and chanting for me, while the baby just arrived in a glow of light, and there's a (laughs) rainbow in the sky. But when I got pregnant, I immediately feel like I'm going to have hospital birth. It's like my risk tolerance becomes so low that I just don't want anything to happen. And plus, we both read um, Emily Oster. What is uh, it's called expecting better and then in the, in the in the data she she researched i think one third or more than one third of home birth and it ended up in hospital and so i was like okay if it's such a large chance that i'll be in the hospital i will just choose hospital at the very beginning and the other factor is i i experienced some very painful pain throughout my three trimesters like i will wake up not being able to breathe and feel it's just so painful, even if I breathe. And like I will lie on the bed whole day, not being able to move, and that scared the hell out of me. So I was like, I'm going to do hospital birth for sure. But still, I don't know if I'm going to get epidural, because I'm also feel like for some reason I always I always had this wrong um wrong expectation that I will be exempt from all the symptoms described in the book, which I experienced almost to. every symptom. <laughs> And whenever oh I experienced God. that, I was like, what the hell? Even me? Like, I worked out. Why, 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 why can't I, like, why do I feel so tired? Why do I lose so much strength already? Stuff like that. Um, so when I remember we told each other, if you go into the labor, you're going to text, you're, we're going to text each other. And so when I, I remember that day, it's, um, it's on my due day, actually, that I went into labor because my, my, OB did a membrane sweeping two days ago before my before my due date. And if you don't know what membrane sweeping is, it's basically the OB will stick her hand into your vagina and then separate baby's head from the cervix, which will lead to, a inc- I think it's an increase of maybe oxytocin or other hormone and then to to like facilitate the delivery process to start. So I remember in the morning, like around 5 a.m., I took a selfie in the hospital And I sent it to you and said, Lucy, probably can make it to the chat tonight. And I was so, I was so confident that I was, I was doing, I was having contraction every two minutes and very strong contraction too. But still, I was very little dilated too. I was only one centimeter or two. And so the hospital discharged me. I was so pissed. When the nurse asked me, what's your pain scale? I say eight. And I was so pissed that even though I had told her it's age, she still think that I'm not I'm not feeling painful enough. She was like, very nicely trying to tell me, "Well, you well you will know if it's a real contraction that people will feel so painful that they can barely walk or breathe." And I was like, "What do you mean? I can barely walk into the hospital," and I was like bitching about it and still breathing, although like semi semi hard to breathe, but. It's, When after I got discharged, it become really, really bad, and that's one thing that I thought that I wish I did, which is hiring a doula, because I know like if it's really painful, I will, I will just get epidural, so I will not need a doula to teach me how to do all the like pain management stuff. But I did not expect that there is a time in between you can be admitted into the hospital, and you start to, and you start to feel contraction. So. It was so painful for me to just like trying to manage all the pain without knowing when can I be admitted in the hospital because the nurse told me it will sometimes for fake contraction like this, it can lead up to a week. So I was like, holy shit, like I can be either admitted tonight or it could be next week. And it just, I've I've become very, very desperate. I did not know what would happen to me and I would really feel like I'm going to die. In the end, I begged Paul to pe- to took me to take me to the hospital, and I was back uh, begging the doctor from to admit me. And I also started really dilating faster after they gave me pain painkiller through IV, and that's what fin- finally enabled me to dilate it into three centimeter and let the hospital admit me. And but even for, even with that, I still you know I brought lavender essence oil and aroma diffuser. And I have a birthing playlist with all the like Tibetan sound music and like the very spiritual like meditation playlist. And I know I'm choosing the hospital birth, but I still imagine. I thought it. I still. I don't know why. Like in my imagination, there is still people doing the singing bowl and chanting for me, which I didn't. <laughs> I never thought to hire those people. I don't know why I still have those imagination, and so I was holding on to that imagination so tight that. When my hospital birth turned out to be a very normal medicalized birth, I was so disappointed and mad about it. And so I think I'm still in the reconciliation process of the delivery. Um, but in the end, like, I just want to say, like, I'm still just grateful that I don't have a complicated, I don't have any complication and my baby was born very healthy. That's like all I can ask for.
1: Yeah. I I'm sorry that they turned you away um when you were in so much pain. I think every hospital is different. Um that seems a little I don't know. That that seems a little odd to me. Um, yeah, I think
0: it's because You
1: would think, yeah. Go on. Yeah, no,
0: sorry. It's because my
1: hospital was full on that day. <laughs> that's that makes sense. Uh my mine was too. I think that's why they sent me home with the balloon and mm. in, what of me. they sent you home with um, okay i didn't i didn't oh oh yeah was- they sent me home oh with, my <laughs> God. and i had like this catheter coming out of my vagina with like blood still dripping out of it i was like shoving like tampons into the catheter to stop the blood i called them i was like is this supposed to be bleeding and they're like oh it's just a little bit just oh like you know put a tampon in it and i was like okay i'll diy it at home yeah my parents were really pissed off when um uh they they saw uh, i came back with with a catheter coming out, they were like, "Your hospital doesn't just keep you there." And I was like, "No, I think they're um, they're full." And you know, they were saying, "I don't need to be there." Yeah. Um, but it would have been nice if I could be there, mm-hmm. though. But that's okay. Um, Did you? I don't know. Yeah, everyone's just giving babies during this time. Uh, I guess maybe. <laughs> don't know why. Yeah, I, I delivered my baby in the
0: noon, and. Yeah before that there there were 10 babies being delivered in the hospital already oh my God. that morning oh. Wait, so did you yeah. did you hire a doula i thought you had a doula
1: i did hire a doula <laughs> and she was really really great um like you know during those 5 hours where i was like in uh, like the contractions were felt really bad she like used every single tool like in her toolbox and it was it was actually really awesome like it was painful but i felt like i got a wide range of experience <laughs> Um, like we tried the bath, we tried the, uh, like she brushed me all over, like holding comb, like using the exercise ball for some massage and rolling around. I mean, there's a lot of different pain management stuff and it was all like kind of cool. Um, yeah, and I, I think it was nice to just kind of, but before I went into the pregnancy, we had a very in-depth discussion about my preferences and, um, and what I expected from the pregnancy and all of that. So basically I outsourced a lot of that to her. Like, for instance, if I wanted singing bowls and, you know, and incense and, and things like that in my, um, during my delivery, I would just tell her that and she will prepare the bowls and the whatever. Well, so and, I... you know, she'll prepare the playlist and then she'll like play them and stuff. And in fact, we, um, she did prepare some scents for me. I told her what my favorite scents were. Um, we didn't do the playlist because I ended up not wanting it. I was like, nope, uh, I just, I just didn't want it. So it's like sometimes, you know, it's like you plan something, but when you're actually in the moment, what you thought you wanted, you don't want anymore. Like I also wanted, originally I wanted to see my babies, um, as, as she was coming out. So she brought a little mirror for me, like my doula brought a mirror and then like, but then I changed my mind. I was like, no, I don't want to see her, you know, so. Yeah, for for parents uh, or parents to be sometimes you'll just change your mind. And that's okay, too. (laughs) And she was like, okay, with that. She was she was like, I I think she could sense um, whether or not I really, uh, yeah, she was very respectful of that. Um, And let's see, we also had like a safe word for when I wanted an epidural because like, um, you know, sometimes when you're in pain, you'll just start reflexively saying things like I can't take it anymore. I can't take it. But that's just. That doesn't necessarily mean you want, you know, you actually want the, the medication. So we had a safe word, uh, which was cotton candy. So <laughs> like, if I say cotton candy, that means I really want it. Yeah. Um, which I thought was a funny idea. I mean, I, I think it was a good idea. And, um, yeah, I, I, I think she was, yeah. So that outsourcing so that, <coughs> excuse me, you don't have to think and make decisions in the moment, I think was really helpful. And she was also just a really nice person to talk to. And, um, and she, you know, she was very comforting. Um, and I, I, I do think that it helped, but I think for my second birth, I think I'm just going to go straight for the girl <laughs> and not get a doula. I, I think I was just going to, for my second baby, I think I'm just going to get like a boring... <laughs> Just like a boring hospital birth, because I like I experienced everything this time. I'm like I don't really need to experience it again. (laughs) Man, I feel like for that first experience, Mm -hmm. it was really nice to have her. Yeah,
0: I feel like I'm still holding on to home birth. I'm still like trying to see if I can,
1: like I, I, and the second one's supposed to be easier, Mm -hmm. and you could totally give that a shot right it's like there's no wrong way to do it I think my but
0: ba- I think I will know when I really when I am really pregnant with my second one but I still yeah. feel like some hope of wanting to try home birth like I still want to have a very spiritual experiences of, of the delivery but I mean the pregnancy so is just a very spiritual experiences already and so about, about the mirror stuff I have the same thing when, when, when we went to the delivery preparation when I pregnancy I forgot what's like pregnancy preparation class by a delivery nurse and then she talked about all the things that we will eventually experience during the delivery i remember crying when she was talking she was talking about like you can see the mirror and then that will usually motivate the dad and the mom to push more or like ask the dad to like help the mom push more and then but when i was really pushing and i feel the baby is already squeezing through my birth my, my vagina and it's just like going coming out of my vagina and the doctor was like you already delivered your baby's hair now Angie do you want a mirror and I was like no I don't want a mirror I was like hell no I'm not going to see a head pop out of my vagina <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna traumatize me so no I didn't <laughs> use a mirror and I think that the whole time the doctor was say like dad look at look like look at the head is coming out and Paul was like i I'm fine <laughs> <laughs> but I have to say that Paul had Paul was such a stable stabling force for me during the yes. whole process. And I think it's because I was so emotional and being in such a fear and like a fear and painful mode um during my contraction. He has to be calm and the way he chooses to be calm is not to be emotional. So I actually feel emotionally isolated because he's so calm. I don't know if I will feel better if he's anxious. It's probably not, but yeah, I think just an in- interesting reflection.
1: And yeah, you're, you're yeah. Go no, on. go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna <laughs> remark that you say he was so calm in the delivery room, and I was thinking, isn't he calm like all the yeah, time? Yeah, he's
0: calm all the time. And so one thing I never told told him, maybe he will know when he listens to this podcast, is during the whole time I. So I got a painkiller, and I think I had a very bad reaction toward the painkiller. I just passed out, and I have the epidural. So I basically sleep through the whole time. I was very, very drowsy, and I can barely think. I sleep through the whole time until I the nurse told me to start to push. And during the push phase, he's, like, tightly holding my hand, and then keep, like, stroking through my forehead and say, you can do it, keep pushing, and I love you. And... I know, like, the egg is so, is so loving, but I remember because I, I barely have any strength to talk. I was just thinking to myself, like, stop it. It's so annoying. Stop just talking let me to be. me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> stop talking to me. <laughs> oh my God. It's so funny. Okay. Let's talk about postpartum. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, would you like to go first?
1: Sure. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> I-, I will say that. I don't know how single mothers do it but um sorry just the delivery thing but like having a part a stable partner to me really helped a lot I think one of the things mark did my, my husband he's like he just gave me water like all the time and he like just he was just there because I was like I needed something to hold on to for a while and I like remember there was one time I just like started clawing at him and I feel so bad. I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'm just like clawing at you right now. Um, but he just stood there and he was like, no claw you want. It's okay. And then, um, yeah, I think the thing is he kept trying to give me water because I was like getting dehydrated and, and I got really annoyed by that. And I was like, Uh, I just drink water. <laughs> it's like, but, um, but you know, in retrospect, I was like having that just stable support system was really, was really helpful. Um, postpartum wise yeah same here i you know that first um after you deliver the baby it's like uh, at least for me i like got a huge surge of adrenaline i think and i was just like so excited to see her and i couldn't really sleep right they were telling me like okay sleep try to get some sleep um and i had a hard time doing that um especially since it was like in the hospital there was like you know still lights every even if you turn all the lights off like there's still brightness um leaking through and the nurses would come in every once in a while to check my temperature and the baby's temperature i also had to get up every 3 hours to feed her um and she would, she would take like an over an hour to eat anything right cuz babies don't that was one of the surprising things it's like babies don't know how to eat like and they can take like weeks to figure out how to eat apparently mm-hmm. right so i was I'm like, how am I supposed to sleep if it takes over an hour to feed her? And like, and then I have to feed her in like 30 minutes again afterwards, right? It it, it was kind of like difficult to do that. And um, but I was like, okay, for a while, because I was like, so excited about the baby. And I started like looking up on my phone baby stuff. And um, Mark at that point was telling was like, kept trying to tell me to Go to sleep because you know I'm gonna get sleep deprived, and I got, um, and I and I was like I knew I should, but kind of you know I was still like really energized on adrenaline. When we got home, um, when we got home, that's when I felt the like I really felt the effects of sleep deprivation, and that first week was like one of the hardest weeks i of my no the hardest week i will say the hardest week of my life mark and i were both so sleep deprived and emily like first of all she didn't she still didn't really know how to drink um uh, breastfeed and she was getting really hungry and my supply was very low so she had tro- trouble latching and my my milk supply i found out later was just very low like at the hospital they were like telling me oh she's okay like you know um like She's still crea- um She's still making poopy and wet diapers, which means she's getting enough. But like when she's on your breast, you don't like you can't see how much milk or you know colostrum, uh, which is like the stuff before the milk. So um, you can't tell how much she's getting. And I had a sneaking suspicion she was probably not getting enough. But it wasn't until we went to the pediatrician um, that same week that they told us that Emily dropped. Um, 10 i think 10 percent, and she was already born um six pounds which was kind of in the lower percentiles and so she told us to just start supplementing with formula and when we supplemented with formula finally she slept like well like that first couple of days she was like not really sleeping she was screaming all the time she was screaming at my breasts and like the latch when she did latch it was painful because she wasn't doing it right and Uh, Mark and I were so sleep deprived, like we both started hallucinating, like he was hallucinating like baby crying when there was no baby crying. (laughs) And I was like hallucinating like motion. It was so weird. Like I would close my eyes to try to and when I lie down and close my eyes, I felt the I felt the entire world just rocking back and forth. Mm, It was like I was in an earthquake. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was it was so weird. And I um. I mean I, I was like, wait, is there an earthquake happening right now? <laughs> but I was like, nope, nope, it's just me. And um yeah, that was that was kind of um that that was that was that was really that was really rough. Um but we went but, you know I, I think that's just kind of what happens with a lot of new parents. Um and my mom was there to help. So that mm-hmm. was good. Although that was a whole other thing. I, I had like a hard time receiving help I think like I wanted to be the one to do it because I'm like a mother should know how to you know take care of her baby so when my mom tried to help I was kind of like I only let her help a little bit but I I was and then I asked for the baby back I'm like no okay then now let me do it again but I was it took a while for me to let go and just let my mom help more so that I can get well rested enough that I can start you know doing more of the work because if I would, because at that state, in those early days, I was really in no like psychological condition, I think, to um, to really, really help my baby. Like I was just getting frustrated. she was getting frustrated. It was like a whole like it was clown town. Um, <laughs> but after um, but it quickly got better after the second week and you know we get ups and downs still, but nothing was as chaotic as that first week.
0: Yeah, Yeah. first,
1: what, what about first you? two
0: weeks is definitely crazy. I remember hearing about baby boo from my cousin. Um, but I thought baby boo is a one-day thing for some reason. Um, so that, that led to one point I want to say. like I wish we have more postpartum education as much as we do for a delivery or a pregnancy education. Uh, we, we focus so much on the safety of a baby, but... And we know about postpartum depression, but in general, I feel like the men- the mental health of moms post-pregnancy is, is so under... We don't uh, have enough education yeah. for that, or at least I wasn't exposed to information like that. And so I was so... I wouldn't say the first two weeks was the worst week of my life, but it's definitely the worst week of the past two years. <laughs> I, I was so enjoying my pregnancy. I had such an intimate connection with my baby whenever we we're in a shower or when I woke up in the middle of the night and I feel her kicks that I was very, very shocked by how little connection I had with her immediately after she was born. And I remember t- hearing other women describe the joy they have after they, the doctor hand them, handed them their baby. And I feel nothing. And I feel so much shame about feeling nothing. I feel like I might have a bad mother that I don't feel any joy. I just, I only feel exhaustion and relief that the baby is finally out. And I even feel the emotion of anger, a lot of angers during the first three days and then throughout, throughout the, the, the first two weeks especially when baby is crying like of course i love her of course like i'm finally that i can see this life that i've imagined what it looks like for the past 10 months but i have this unnameable surge of anger all the time and sometimes i was thinking to myself because my mom started telling me the story of she was pregnant with me and then she told me um when when i was a baby that will fed me they will they would feed me sugar water as my last meal of the night and let me sleep through the whole, let me cry the whole night. And they was always so pissed that they they don't understand why what I was crying all the time. So now we have more education, of course we know because I was I was hungry. And when I had my baby and then she was crying, I was like, why? I was thinking to myself. Of course I wouldn't say it to her. That like, why are you crying all the time? Like I already fed you boobs and formula like why are you crying so much like mommy has sugar water and I was fine so I have all this like unknown anger and unknown frustration and I will be I will be breastfeeding her with all the like blood from bleeding from she was biting me or the scar tissue that's still on my nipple and it was so much pain down on my bottom and on my boobs and so much like mental pain from the delivery too so it's just really hard to imagine um, manage i remember i think around two weeks mark i feel so depressed i just feel like i don't have any love for this baby and i don't know why and i feel like i wasn't me but i didn't make the connection that i was having baby blue and i remember one day paul went to the gym and he came back i would just he pe- came back seeing me crying like a crazy person on the bed and I just feel like i feel so sorry for this baby for having a mom like me But after the two weeks i'm just like immediately back to normal like pre-pregnancy happy angie like oh my god i'm having a baby she's so damn cute i'm like the luckiest person in the world i have so much love for her she's the luckiest baby because she has such a loving parents My, you're an angel and we're angel to you too. we are both very lucky and so i just want i just want to tell other moms if you feel disconnected from your baby for the first two weeks or like immediately after delivery it's actually normal and it just not discussed as openly and as 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 like common.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that, Angie. I you're absolutely right. This is not something that is talked about. And it is totally you know, there's po- we hear about postpartum depression and that's pretty much it. But there's like I I'm in I've been a I'm in a parent group actually, and the facilitator recently told us that like postpartum makes up, I forgot what the percentage was, 20% or something like that. But what's not talked about is there's this in-between state where it's like, it's not bad enough to be considered postpartum, but it feels really bad. And that affects, and maybe it's the baby blues thing, and that affects like over 80% of women. So it's like the majority of women are going to feel just really bad after giving birth, And um, they will, they may feel like day, days or on and off on and off, like disconnection or anger or resentment towards their baby. And like, that's okay. And I still feel that way. Sometimes, Uh, you know, I'll just be honest. Um, The day, the day before yesterday, she was, she just kept waking up for for some reason at, at night and I was back at work, I had a morning meeting. And so... I lost my temper with her. She like she was she was awake. She wouldn't go back to sleep, but she also wouldn't drink milk. So I was like, I have no idea what's wrong with her. And then I just screamed at her. And th- that was actually the first time I screamed at my baby. And I and then Mark rushed in when he heard that he was like, Lucy, let me take her. You can go to sleep. And I like I screamed at her. I, I It was it was, you know, very angry. I screamed at her for like two seconds and then like. Felt so bad, so guilty. I started just, and then I started just like hugging her and like sobbing and just like rocking back and forth, just like saying, "I'm sorry, I'm sorry." And um, that's when Mark came in. He saw me like, "I'm sorry, I'm sorry." He was just like, "Oh, Lucy, Lucy, you can go back to sleep. It's okay." And um, and I remember being like, "Oh my god," you know. I'm like. We're like 10 weeks out and 10 or 11 weeks out and I'm still like having these episodes. But, you know, I made peace with that. I can make mistakes, you know, I can make mistakes and I can also love her, love my baby at the same time. So I can be super angry at her and also love her at the same time and also feel like a monster and also forgive myself all, all at the same time. Like I was feeling everything. I was like forgiving myself while also feeling like I am like a monster. And because I know like my feelings and what I intellectually know to be true, they're two different things. And I think that was one of the themes of motherhood. Like I call it the chaos of motherhood, but it, there's a lot of internal chaos where it's like, I'm feeling so much conflicting and ambivalent things all the time. It's like, there's like separate people living inside my head and, or and, and inside my body. And, um, and to just kind of be okay with that, even being okay with the feeling of like the just the bad feelings, because they go away every single time I had a bad feeling, they go away. Sometimes it takes a little while longer. And, um, yeah, I, 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 I do wish more people knew that this kind of like, I know people, people, I like, I knew it was going to be hard, but I didn't realize how like conflicting and like ambivalent. That I would feel and disconnected that I would feel right. It's like I didn't realize there would be so much conflicting stuff happening within me. And I wonder though if I had if somebody had told me this, what I have really understood, or was this something I had to live through to to understand? I'm not sure, but I think knowing that any anything is okay so long as you're not like you know physically harming your baby or harming yourself, anything you feel or think. I think is okay and, and just knowing that that's okay as mm-hmm. is, is super helpful yeah
0: I definitely resonate with that and um I, I feel like there is an interesting analogy in terms of internal family system where it it described we have many different personalities inside us for the past like three decades of our life we have these non or semi-known characters that is playing in our head but another another few characters only come up after we become mothers so we are so foreign they are so foreign to us we don't know their personality we don't know what those characters want and so like we are trying to understand ourselves too and i remember it i really have i know it's such a cliche but i really have so much more forgiveness for my mother i used to be very resentful for she being like super emotional and like harsh on me or like saying bad words to me and now I know like she probably has a lot of conflicts inside her to just like we have inside us now and for me I I told Paul I hope when one day Michelle is, is listening to this episode she will know that I'm not coming from an angle of attacking her or complaining about her we're just like sharing our experience which she will be a mother in one day too I feel like I split into two different... Or like more than two different personalities. And I feel so many scenarios are playing when I'm almost out of control. But I'm like trying very hard to hold together... And then sometimes when I'm like trying to take a deep breath while I can barely manage my emotion, I would just tell Michelle that, hey, mommy's being upset now, but it has nothing to do with you. It's just I'm learning to be a mother. And one day when you grow up, like, I hope you understand this. And I absolutely love you, even though I'm an, I might not be the most patient mother right now. I hope you like, I want you to know that this is what I'm going on because I feel like, my mother trying to manage all this without explicitly telling me so when I was a kid I always thought that I must be a bad kid to let my mom suffer
1: man yeah I there was a there was a, a reddit thread I was reading and one person said something like um, this was after I screamed at Emily my baby Emily and um, I was just like looking for solidarity and one of the person responded with you're there's this is not going to be the first time you're gonna mess up, right? Uh, or, or not? Let's not say it's like slip up, right? This is not gonna be the first time you're gonna slip up. It's gonna happen just like your parents did with you. And the best thing you can do is model what to do after the fact, right? I mean, she's a baby now, so she she doesn't care. But it's like. When you are angry at your child, think of that as an opportunity to, you know, model what to do afterwards, so that they know that, hey, mommy gets angry too, and it's okay. It's w- it would be worse if you bottled up your feelings, right? So if you get angry, then go back and apologize and explain, you know, like mommy got angry at you, and I'm sorry. Um, you know, some you know I got angry because blah blah blah. I, I don't know how you would explain it, but I remember it being something like that, and it completely reframed um, anger for me. From like something to be ashamed of, um, versus uh, to something that is just a very human experience. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't mean it's like you know, like you know, just okay. Then just scream at your kid all the time because you're teaching them a lesson. Like you know, it's, no, I, I, I don't, that's not what that means. But um, but when you do lose your cool, like when it's natural that you lose your cool, it, it can be a learning experience. And what you said about. You know, like really forgiving our parents, right? For not, for not being the perfect parents because there's no such thing. Yeah, that 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 totally resonates with me. It's it's. I, I'm sure there's going to be way more times in the future where I'm just going to slip up and feel like a terrible mother, and at the same time, I'm going to just have to like forgive, 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 forgive myself, forgive um, my parents. I I think when I forgive, it's like. It's almost like they're a part of me, right? It's the whole internal family system, right? You're talking about like the way your parents treat you that gets encoded in a way in, in your subconscious as like a character of you. And when I forgive myself for slipping up as a parent, I forgive them. Um, I don't know which way the causality goes. Maybe I forgive them first and then I forgive myself. But it's like we forgive like I forgive every 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 part, right? Uh, sorry, every connected part. And and that's that's been super fascinating, um, and. Yeah. The the other thing you said, I, I really, uh, it really hit me hard when you said that something about how you felt like you weren't being a good daughter or something when your parents or it's like, when oh, yeah, get, like I will, when they're I will mad. blame
0: myself as a kid for being so much suffering to my parents.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like, that actually that that does resonate uh, with me a lot. And I, I hope Emily doesn't feel that way. But who knows, you know, it's like something that's kind of I hope she wouldn't, but we'll see. Um, And But that is something that I have thought about, too. Actually, even when I was pregnant, I did a lot of – I I spent quite a few time – even before I got pregnant, when I knew I was going to get pregnant, I spent a lot of time and energy on my inner work, on, like, inner child work and healing, you know, child – childhood wounds and like you know relationship with my parents and I had to do a lot of forgiveness practice even back then um but anyway a lot of inner child work especially because one of the things I feared was that I was going to have a daughter and or, or even a son but I think I especially feared if I had a daughter that she was going to end up like me um and when I say like me I don't mean out, I mean, I meant internally because at the time when I decided I really want kids, like I came, I, I came to terms that I really want to be a mother. I realized that I was in denial for many years, and part of the reason I was in denial was because I was afraid that I was I was uh, I had low self esteem at that time, and I was afraid that if I had a child, especially a daughter, that she was going to end up like me with low self esteem, and I didn't want that. And so I realized that I had to work on that and heal that part. Um, so anyway, I did a lot of inner child work before that. It, the work's not done. I would say um, I don't know if it's ever going to truly be done. I would say like eighty percent resolved, but you know it still shows up, and um, and I'm still learning to work through it. It's just we're learning to work through it in pr- with practice now. now. Now I have a real baby to to practice on rather than just journaling prompts. Um, uh, but it's been teaching me a lot. Like I think motherhood has taught me uh, a lot in terms of you you mentioned masculine energy, masculine energy. And I would say like, to me, masculine energy means like structure and like direction, and control. And feminine energy is more of that kind of surrender, go with the flow, just like be in the present and and just okay with everything. It really, I had to really work on balancing both of them. Because you know, when you have a baby, you have to give them some structure. And yet you cannot control everything. In fact, I think parents who I don't know if this is true or not, but anecdotally, I I think parents who try to control everything tend to have a worse time than parents who don't, but I don't know. That's just anecdotally. Um, And at least in my experience, that that has been the case for me. So I'm like really trying to balance those um, those two things. So like balancing the masculine and feminine energies within me as I relate to my, my baby, that's like, one of the biggest learnings I, I I have, I'm still working on. And the second one is just forgiveness. I think like, having a baby was has been a huge practice in forgiveness, I have to like, forgive, 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 like every single day, forgive myself, forgive her, forgive my parents, forgive, you know, whoever has ever influenced my beliefs, right? I'm like, forgive you, forgive you, forgive you. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty. Um, it's a pretty interesting experience. Like, no, no inner work that I've done where it's like journaling and meditation and all that compares to the inner work I'm doing right now with just like interfacing with, with this baby.
0: A hundred percent agree. And I just want to like acknowledge how 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 great we are we both are on this podcast for being so vulnerable and just sharing such a raw emotion we have with our babies you know before this podcast i was like i might talk about this now. i'm not gonna talk about that not gonna not gonna tell the audience about that not gonna happen but then i just we we just both say the stuff that it's like <laughs> i know before before this podcast, i was so afraid people criticizing me for being a bad mother because i have all these emotions but i think I think we probably all have this emotion just you be wanting to acknowledge that or not. And I I also found Reddit to be such a. I, I never really used Reddit before, but I found out Reddit is such a good place for parents because they share real, I think because it's anonymous, they get to share raw emotion too. And I remember there's one that I shared with you that Michelle was screaming for two days and she would not drink any bottle and I don't have a lot, I don't, I have very low milk supply too, so I can barely feed her, and we were both so frustrating. We don't we don't know what's going on. Turns out, is the 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 nipple of the bottle was stuck, so there was never yeah. any milk leak flowing out whenever she was she tried to drink. So it was it's such a logistic thing, right? You just okay if it's if it's me, I have a water bottle. The water bottle stuck, then I just fix it. There's no guilt applied to it. But when you search why. Bottles, nipple is stuck, and then parents also had this. Um, parent who other parents who also had this problem described in such a detail of how guilty they are in starving their kids and think of themselves as bad parents just because the nipple was stuck. And I, I feel like everything we do is not just the act itself because it's related to another human being. Everything has, has so much stake and so much emotion involved. Uh, so it's really. It's really like a ch- a huge growth challenge and learning opportunity for us. And I think my strategy now is to narrate every, every thoughts I have out loud to Michelle. So she would not have to, although she doesn't understand anything, but she would not have to guess what I was thinking and instead just know that it was not her fault that I was feeling this way and that way. I think one thing that is interesting about us th- is that we both went through so much inner work and th- the fact that we know internal family system make us even more aware of what our action can have an impact on our kid. And so whenever, for example, like if she was screaming at 3 a.m. at night and I didn't pick her up immediately, instead instead of going to straight to the refrigerator to take a bottle back to the room, I went to the restaurant to pee. And I would imagine Michelle has a personality called Mommy Goes to Pee. She hates me. She doesn't give me a bottle. <laughs> that part of her was forming in her internal family system. <laughs> and so I was like, shit, everything I do, she might have a new character popping out called Mommy hates me. Mommy doesn't love me. So I was like... <laughs> I have no control over that. I just have to believe that every kid was already born with the lessons that they need to learn and with their with their advent with their strength and their weakness and this is their life lessons they need to go through. I was listening to another podcast um that th- th- there's a father I think it's called Tucker or something and so it's an author he was sharing I think he has multiple kids and he said every delivery will exactly mirror the temper of the kid. So if the kid grow out to be very, like has very like strong temper and get angry all the time, the delivery itself is very, like, it's very dramatic too. But if the kid grew out to be very chill and relaxed, the delivery is very delivery is very easy too. And the fact that Michelle was storming out of my vagina and was like, ha, 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 when she was born, <laughs> she was exactly like that. <laughs> She's exactly like that now, too. She has, like, very strong... Well, maybe that's just baby, but I I feel like she mirrors me because I, I have a very large... I have very dramatic shift of energy pattern, too. I can go for, like, I want to deadlift 100 kilos 100 times in one minute, too. I need to sleep right now. <laughs> and she's exactly yeah. the same. So I feel like... Yeah, I feel like we... As much as we want to have an impact on them in a good way they already a lot of their what is the, their life path, life path is gonna be like it's already predetermined they brought those patterns into this world and what we can do is to help them understand who they are and while we are understanding who we are too
1: yeah have you ever um have you heard of the pixar movie soul yeah like like s-o-u-l have you have you yeah seen Oh, yeah, I just watched that with Mark. And I was like, Oh, my God, like, it reminds me of what you're saying, like, we're born with like, you know, there's like this life path. And like, you know, identity that's already there. And there's only so much you can do as a parent to kind of shape that for them. I, I one of the okay, so one of the most recent things that I've been just so impressed by is just how much the baby can learn, like figure out on their own, like, Right now, she's not even three months, so you know I'm not expecting her to do calculus. But I'll I'll share you a story uh, that she was also crying at night the other day, um, and I just went to the bathroom as well. So I I, I heated, I I got a bottle, I started heating it up, and then I went to the bathroom, and um, and then I went into her room, and she just started kind of calming down a little bit on her own. And so I just I just stood there and kind of just watched her um, out of sight so she didn't see me and just to see what she would do. And she ended up just kind of putting herself back to sleep. And I was so amazed that, I don't know, I was just so impressed. I was like, oh my goodness, you know, I didn't know you had it in you to do that. Oh! Um, <gasps> Okay, hi Michelle. Yeah, so Michelle as
0: yeah. part of being a parent while podcasting. Is you you gotta let your partner go to the gym, so I'm taking Michelle with us.
1: <laughs> hello, girl. Yeah, oh, hello, lady. Michelle, yeah, to hear some cuckoo sound from Michelle. Yeah, it's um, it's funny. And I was just uh-huh. like, maybe you knew, maybe I. I uh, so, okay, this is something that I feel very. Vulnerable to share and I'm very afraid of judgments, but so, so that means I'm going to go ahead and do it. Um, <laughs> cause I think somebody should, somebody may, may need to hear this, right? But I do go with my instinct for a lot of things. And in the case with Emily, I think I trusted that even though she was, wasn't even three months old yet, she was ready for a little bit of sleep training. And every, t- every book I read and, you know, forum I've been to, um, basically every single one said don't don't try until 4 months old like they're not ready and and but I don't know I just was like there came a there was a time when she was like 7 like 6 or 7 weeks old that she was um crying like it was it was so hard to get her to sleep like she was crying like on and off for like over an hour every single time it was nap time and by the time we put her down for a nap like she finally went to sleep um we put her in her, her crib and she would start crying again and then it, it, it's it's time for the next nap at that point, right? So she was, like, overtired, and, and I remember thinking, I don't want to sleep train you this early, but you are already crying anyway. So I might as well try to make the crying intentional and just give it a shot and see, like, and see what happens. So um, there was this book I read called Precious Little Sleep, and they had this... Um, Uh, It's not they don't call it sleep training, but they call it like sleep, like learning, like just like prepping the prepping the baby for when you do start sleep training. And they call it the method fuss it out. So Mm -hmm. it's not cry it out, it's fuss it out. And the idea is that you get your newborn to a drought, it's for newborns, and you get them to a drowsy but awake state. Um, and then you put them in the crib, and then you just leave them for 15 minutes or, or 10 minutes or however much you can handle. But the idea is that you time box it to something small and just see what happens. And if after those 10 minutes um, they're still they, they're still crying or fussing, then just go and save them. And then the idea is to just get them used to being being in the crib and um, not in your arms and. You know, um, so I thought. You know what? Let's just do that. Let's just start by getting her used to the crib, and um, and then we can sleep train later. And lo and behold, on the third day, and this I'm not. This is not at all reflective of all babies. Every baby is different. But our, but for Emily, she got herself to sleep on the third day in less than ten minutes. And and so I was like, actually, really shocked that that happened. Um, even though that was what I wanted to happen. Um, now. It's funny. It used to be that if I um, uh, if I put her in the crib, she would she would cry and scream for for hours. Now, if I don't put her in the crib, if I like keep trying to rock her and not put her in the crib, she would scream and cry. Like she's like, "No, mommy!" Like like it's almost like she's saying, "No, I can do a better job getting myself to sleep than you can." Like just put me in the darn crib already. Um, and I don't know that that whole experience just made me just so impressed by babies. And I'm just like, you know what they sometimes they can just learn things really Mm -hmm. well, more than like you think you can help them. I'm not, and I'm not, I I guess like, I feel really, uh, I feel really scared sharing this because I don't want it to come off as I'm telling people that they should sleep train their babies when they're only two months old. Like that's not at all what I'm saying. In fact, I, I, didn't think I wanted to sleep train my baby at all. It was just kind of like, it, it turned into a necessity and in, in my opinion, like, um, but, but when I did try, I was just so shocked by how quickly she mm-hmm. learned. And, um, and I don't know. And I bet it's going to happen again where it's like, you know, we, we need to teach her to like, you know, ride a bike or whatever, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, whatever it is like, you know, learn to do whatever. And you have to just like give her the space to do it herself and not help her mm-hmm. out. Um, I forgot where I was. I I forgot why I started saying that. I think it was when you talked about how like the baby has their own life path and like there's only so much you can do to help, right? And sometimes helping may be hindering. Um, Yeah, thank you. So I don't know. Thank you so much for sharing this. I I understand it's a very, it's a very
0: vulnerable thing to share about sleep training because I I was so shocked by how easy, like how, how many wars parents like to go on in terms of everything in terms of parenting. So for example, like, the way I calm and show down is now. It's like I'm literally holding my home, my phone, and turn on the selfie mode so she can stare at herself in the phone. Oh, instead of that's. Going right I, I believe this is not the best for parenting too. But you do what you gotta do, and I, you do what you gotta do. Yeah. Um, that's smart. I think, actually, yeah, she's. I think she's terrified. So in psychoanalysis, um, there is a theory that when baby first see themselves in the mirror, there is a split of identity. Either they are prepared and then they can grow into their full identity, like their full I, the capital I, or they have identity crisis. They have existential crisis. And so every time I, I let her see herself in the mirror or on the phone, I always be like, is mm, she ready yet? I don't know. But but um, I, 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 so I grew up in Taiwan and it's a country where so we, we have a culture that we believe in karma and past life and stuff we believe that they they bring the lessons of what they are not resolved in the previous life into their, their current life, so continue to learn the lessons they need to learn. And so I also believe that... They, I, I believe Michelle chose me as her mother. And so there is a reason why she chose me as a mother, and there's a reason why Emily chose you as a mother. I don't, I don't know if you believe in it or that, but I think that gave me a lot of comfort and confidence in in building a relationship between me and my daughter is that we are here for each other for a purpose and we are here to learn from each other and so for, for me it's almost like a circle it's not it's like whatever, whatever we are going to do and wh- whatever we will both experience is already predetermined too which is kind of maybe the logic is conflicting but <laughs> I think you can have conflicting logics and beliefs in your head as well <laughs>
1: Oh, I believe that too. It's, I think beliefs are also, in a way, like you know, family system, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, true. <laughs> do what do you think? Um, do you know what you're here to learn? If like you know, what karma, uh-huh. karma? Do you think you're here to learn? Your soul is here to learn. Uh-oh. If you were to guess, I'm curious. Sorry.
0: So, in the previous part of our conversation, well, I want to talk about. Um, I think I think Michelle is here. I feel like she she's so lucky. She must be someone who is so lack of love in a previous life so she can come into a family that is full of love for her or she's just a lucky Aww. person. <laughs> <Aww. And> she, <laughs> that's so was yeah, She's here to teach me how to love and I think that's something that I came to realization with my mother too which is I, I always thought that I bring my mom so much trouble that I am a burden for her. She could have enjoyed her 20s or her 30s not having to, like, run from the police and work as a street vendor if she doesn't have me. But then I came to, after I started doing inner work, my explanation is that I came here to teach her how to love, too. And so, Aww. like, um, still a lot of drama, when she tried to visit us, as I told you before, which I won't go into detail, but, I mean, it's a lifelong work. And she has been bringing my family my in-law family, my own, my own original family, so much love and so much happiness that I just, I, yeah, I feel so grateful. And whatever we are going to learn in the future, I, I am humbled to learn learn about them. It's funny, so like, That's... When sometimes when I was feeding her and I thought about a time that she would say, I hate you, you ruined my life. I just cried. <laughs> <laughs> I might cry like 20 years early, but I'm very good at visualisation.
1: Uh, that's beautiful uh what you what you shared thank you i i'm very yeah i am very curious I, I i do enjoy talking a lot about this kind of spiritual stuff it's not a thing that i do um very often um there is a part of me that does believe in karma karmic patterns and you know s- s- predetermined soul paths and all of that i think i go in and out of believing it and not believing it but i think m- more often than not i do believe um at least it's I feel like it makes me a better person, and I feel better believing it than not. Mm-hmm. So um, it's one of these scenes where it's like, I think I choose to believe it because it serves me. And I think it serves the people around me because because it makes me feel, you know, it makes me a better person, I think, to believe this.
0: I feel like, yeah. I don't know if believe, if believe is the right word, because I feel like if I use the word believe, then it's almost like it serves as a universal truth for every minute, everything I do in my life. But I actually think about it only when it serves me. So when the time that yeah. it doesn't serve me, I will be like, fuck karma, what's that? But when I think about <laughs> I need to resolve something with Michelle, I was like, there is karma. There's something we need to be learning about this. Yeah. Okay, so um, I know we both oh. need to like go back to our kiddo very soon, like fully. I will. I would like to just touch on lightly, like, what do you think about work now? And what's your plan in terms of work? work yeah,
1: now? well... Um, I, I am going back to work, so i'm'm uh, I'm, I'm going back part time right now and um and it's it's kind of uh, mainly uh, the adjustment is really with sleep because uh, I um she's she is still waking up uh, a couple of times at night, and I think Emily is I, I think she's trying to she's on an earlier bedtime than I had wanted her to be. Like she went to sleep at six pm last night and woke up at 6am with with some uh, other wake ups in between, of course. And I'm like, am I just gonna have to like, be like, just, just like adapt myself now at this point to 6am wake up time, which I think I'm gonna have to do. So that's something that I'm adjusting to because I was so sleepy, um, trying to work. Um, And then I I was Yeah, I just got really sleepy. And that that was the that was the night I lost my temper. Um, And I think I, I I attribute that to just sleep deprivation because normally I would take a nap during the day like take a long nap during the daytime but I can't do that anymore because um, I'm working um, during that time um, most of my teammates are on the other side of the globe so like I have to be up in the morning mm-hmm. and talking to them basically and so I can't nap anymore um, so physically it's like I think dealing with sleep has been kind of um, a, my most present challenge right now to figure out how to you know um, be able to do work Um, and then, and then just in general, um, I, I'll be honest, I wasn't too excited. Like, uh, how do I best say this? I care a lot about, um, about my work. I care a lot about Coach Viva and our mission, which is like, it's, it's a weight loss program right now, but like, there's a deeper mission that, um, my, my partner and I, my business partner and I really want, which is to like help people, um create a framework to help people with all kinds of behavior change. And I am like really into psychology and, and self-improvement. So like to me, behavior change is like, that, that's like my jam. And I want to, like you say, like, you know, I, I like being, I would like to be a life coach. And, um and so anyway, I, I I care deeply about the mission of coach Viva. And at the same time, I was like, not really excited to go back to work. Like I went back to work because I said I would. And also because I felt like I should in a way. Um, There is a sense that I, I I don't want to be so disconnected that I like am not a part of it. Like I always want to be a part of it. So there's maybe a FOMO that's driving it a little bit. So there is a little bit of that, but to be honest, but if I had, you know, I had in my way, um, I would be spending as much time with Emily as I can. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So that's why I'm coming back part time and I'm trying to see, um, you know, how, um, how I can balance that out. Um, When I am working, though, I will say when I am working, I do, I do enjoy it. So it's like, it's like, when I think about working, I'm like, Oh, I don't really want to do that. I'd rather spend time with Emily. Um, Even just watching her sleep. I'm just like, Oh, oh my God, you're so you're so beautiful. Mm -hmm. But but then once I get into the groove of working, I actually do enjoy it. So, you know, so so it's kind of that I I'm 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 thinking like I'm still transitioning back into work mode right now. Um but definitely there is there is kind of I I again, I feel like there's two different personalities. There's like work Lucy, like boss babe Lucy, and then there's like the mother, you know, the mother Lucy, and they aren't they are kind of um they're, they haven't fully merged I think yeah, they're kind of just like switching places and um, and I'm curious to see how that how that if if and how that changes as things progress. Um, there is a part of the, the work mode Lucy is, uh, is is excited though to be back and you know having some part in the direction of Viva again like I, I do. Like, every once in a while, when I was on maternity leave, I was checking Slack and just seeing how, like, you know, my team is doing. And um, there was a part of me that's like, ooh, I want to be involved in this. But um, I I don't know. Oh, my God. This is such a hard thing to talk about. It's like, even as I'm talking about it, I'm so conflicted. I'm like... I, I do like this, but I really like this. and But I like this, but I really like this. You know, it, it is really hard to yeah, talk about. yeah are part
0: I, I, Lucy how? attracting to work and your motherhood part of Lucy attracting to family. I think for me, so um, I'm not back into paid work project energy yet. And I... I was shocked. I thought I couldn't, I, I thought I wouldn't be able to draw the boundary until one of my potential clients came back to me like two weeks ago and asked about me. And before the meeting, I was like talking to Paul, what should I say? Can I really say that I need to wait for six months? I don't know what to do, but I'm, I'm i find myself confidently just say, sorry, gotta wait. Like, I just feel like I'm not back yet. So that's a good thing. But at the same time, I do have a lot of FOMOs too in terms of creative project. Um, I, so I, I was listening to another podcast talking about they the mom starting to hire caretakers or send the kids to daycare, and they found out because of that they have they actually have more quality time together with the kid um, because they are not like with the kid together all the time. And the other day I was talking to Paul, I was like, I don't know why I'm like the only the only thing I do today is is taking care of Michelle, and I don't know why am I so tired and then. Paul looked at me shocked, and Paul was like, "What are you talking about? Taking care of kids is the most intense experience a person can experience because you have to be in intense present." And I was like, "Oh, I never, I never thought about it. I guess I just adopt a very old, traditional narrative of like motherhood is a low skill, low value type of work, and I didn't even realize that I was adopting that narrative." Um, so I, I'm glad that he pointed out it's a very intense. It needs a very intense presence when you are pre- uh, when you're playing with kids, but it gives you a different type of self-realization. It's different from when you do your work or your creative work. And so for me, no matter how much I play with Michelle and no matter how much I enjoy her presence and fall in love with her, there is so part of my self-realization that just couldn't wouldn't be able to come from her. It has to be. It has to be me showing up in the world as the non-mother part of me or, or as a whole person, but doing different type of stuff. And I just need to accept that. So when I started scheduling podcasts, I was, at first I was a little bit, I want, I wonder if this is the right move for me. But when I started to like build out a new notion base, I was like, hell yeah. Like I feel like I'm a whole person again after the motherhood because I feel like, this new level was introduced me and I was on another happiness level, happiness level, but something was lacking that I couldn't tell until I started work on my creative project again. but that's also one downside of me which is this, I, ne- I was never good at making money and my husband kept pushing me to earn more money as a family so eventually I will start to think about work too, like real like profitable work. <laughs>
1: Yeah, We're, you're doing, um, I see you're back to doing a lot of creative projects, right? Like, I mean, this podcast too, but I, I was looking at your Instagram and you're doing the mandalas on the stones and mm-hmm. everything. And that's really, yeah, that's really cool. Um, I, w- I remember looking, I'm like, oh my God, look, Angie is going back and doing like creative creative projects and, 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 and um, I mean, money aside, but that that's like... You're stepping into doing things, you know, th- that just spark joy. Um, other than other than mother motherhood, mm-hmm. and I think what you said about like, yeah, when when you um not when you're not with your baby all the time, then those times that you do spend with them, they become higher quality. I actually think that makes so much sense. That makes so much sense. I I I agree with that. I actually think like to turn it around. When I went back to work, um. I do feel like the time I spend enjoying or sorry spend on my work nowadays, I do enjoy it more than I did before, because I only, I only have like four hours and I per- and I like during those four hours, I really use them. like I'm not just dicking around on the internet like I used to um, <laughs> which I, I, you know I would procrastinate, um, but when it's like no, it's like, no, I only have these two hours or like these two to four hours right now, and I have to work um. I am not procrastinating. I'm like there, and and then I am in the flow when I when I do that, which is why I say it's like it's really hard getting thinking up. Like when I think about it, I'm like, oh, I don't really want to do it. But once I do it, I'm like mm-hmm. really really into it. Um, yeah. I'm cu- yeah, I'm curious as I like. Uh, we are gonna get um, we're getting an au pair uh, to help us with um, with the childcare um, next week. So I'm curious when that happens. Um, what else? You know, what, what how that's gonna feel? Yeah, I, we I have don't to know.
0: Do another like six month a year catch up. Yeah. Afterwards.
1: There yeah. there are.
0: I think like for this topic, we can always like keep talking and maybe talk for another six hours. But for this episode, we I think it's a it's a it's a good timing to like stop right here. And I just like really. Uh, I'm really grateful for you to share your vulnerable experience and for
1: me to share my vulnerable experience as well. Okay, thank you so much, Lucy. Thank you, Angie. It was really great talking to you, and I I am I, so glad that we had this discussion.
0: Nice. Okay, expect Lucy to be coming back to our podcast
1: very often in the future.
0: Okay, <laughs> bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.